0: Hi, everyone, and welcome along to episode six of Adventures in Advising with me, column Cronin. And hey, greetings and salutations. This is Matt. How are you doing? Matt, I feel we're kind of, um, we're just discussing it before we started recording it. It's a bit like being in the in the Twilight Zone because this, this is not the episode that we had planned originally.
1: No, since we've been doing some podcast interviews that we were planning for future episodes for this episode six and there's just been some crazy strange times going on around the world that we had to rethink our episodes and actually put them out of order because
0: COVID-19 has had an impact right across the globe and we felt it was important that we respond to that and talk about that and the impact that it's having on our students, on advisors, on our institutions, because it seems to have impacted just about everywhere. And it would almost be remiss of us not to look at the impact that it is having. So for you, Matt, what's going on at your institution? What has the impact of it been? Well,
1: probably like a lot of institutions, this is changing by the day, by the hour. So for Cal State San Bernardino, we're currently right now on the quarter system. So when a lot of this hit in terms of the World Health Organization saying that this was a pandemic now, so we're going a lot off of what our California Governor, Governor Newsom, um, is suggesting and recommending or requiring from us. And so our administration for CSUSB every day is meeting to figure out what is in the best interest of our students, where is the kind of impact or danger level in a way for this. And so for finals, it was a day-to-day change in a way. And now our spring quarter, which is supposed to start on March 30th, is now going to be pushed back a week. But spring quarter is still going to be completed within the same time period. So it's going to still end on time. It's just starting a week later. And at least the beginning of the term, at least the first few weeks of the term, are going to be virtual for students. Um, For on campus, uh, for staff, it's really going to be essential staff will be on campus. But um, the university is making the recommendation that if we can, we work remotely. But that's as of right now. Tomorrow, it might be something different how are things going over uh, with you?
0: Well, it's had a a massive impact here. And I suppose what was interesting was since our last episode, I have done quite a bit of traveling. I was in India and I was in Ghana. And at that point, coronavirus was talked about a, a little bit, but There were no cases in either in India or in Ghana when I was there. But uh, there were an increasing number of cases in Europe and an increasing number of cases in Ireland. And so after Ghana, I was supposed to go to Nigeria. But we were told that because we held European passports, if we flew into Nigeria, we would be held in quarantine for two weeks and so the department of foreign affairs here in Ireland recommended that we don't fly and that we return home given what was going on so i returned home and i landed back in Ireland on about 9am and on on th- on the thursday before st patrick's day and at 11am that morning or Taoiseach, which is the prime minister Gave a speech in which he announced that all educational institutions were to close, and from the following day, from Friday, and so I suppose we too have kind of been in a situation where things are in flux, and we it it is a, an ever evolving situation. So I, I will give kudos to. My own institution, DCU, has been really good in terms of communicating with students. We have gone completely online for the remainder of the semester. But apart from that, it is work remotely. Um, and I suppose we Zoom has become everybody's best friend. Now, I I think for probably for both of us, Zoom was something that we, we used uh, quite a lot anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely for me too.
1: So for... One of the student populations I work with is our uh, two and four year graduation pledge program uh, that I work with uh, John Noriega in in our office. And so most of the appointments that we have are in person. We give students an option that if they do live far or they attend our Palm Desert campus, that they have the option to Zoom with us or do a phone appointment. So we do have those occasionally, but now it's going to be one where Most, if not all of our appointments, at least for the next few weeks, are all going to be a phone or a Zoom appointment. So, I mean, we're used to it, but it's used to doing Zoom and phone appointments. But now it's going to be like all day, every day. And now it's also a shift for even the students. Um, So because we also consider that not all students might be comfortable using it or know how to use it. Luckily, I think for a lot of institutions, including CSUSB, is like our IT department has been awesome, where they have been doing just round-the-clock uh, like sessions on how to use Zoom. So how to help faculty get their classes um, to be utilized in our LMS and in Blackboard, how to conduct a Zoom uh, appointment, a Zoom class, how to conduct their finals, how to input all of that. Because not all faculty have done that before. Um, but at least from what I understand, from what I hear from some of the faculty, some of the staff, is it, it's gone as smooth as it can go. Um, and there has been a little bit of time for them to prep for that. And so they've been able to accomplish that. So it's hoping that everything went well for finals week because that was this past week. But now it's this this huge change for not only the faculty and the staff, but just also the students and how are they going to adapt to
0: it. But I think all institutions are looking at every possible resource that they can use. Yeah. And I think, With the ever evolving and changing situation and the fact that things are in flux and the fact that we're, you know, in situations that are new to us, that are uncomfortable, there's a lot of worry and stress and anxiety for staff, for advisors, for students. I think it's really important that we all try to be as empathic as we can be to understand that it is a struggle for people and to practice patience with others and with ourselves because it 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 will you can't be perfect in in this situation we're all getting used to to new normal for right now and we don't know how long this situation is going to continue for so i think being kind to yourself being kind to others is probably more important now than perhaps it has ever been
2: Stay with us. We'll be right back. Cracking the college admissions code just got easier. I'm Rebecca Gordon, your go-to fictional college admissions counselor for the rich and famous. Tune into the admissions game, Satire Edition, and uncover my top secrets for sure-fire Ivy League admission. Ditch the old Photoshop your face onto a water polo hunk trick. We reveal all the latest loopholes. So laugh and learn with The Admissions Game, wherever you podcast.
1: And if anything, as, as humans, I think we, we can know and learn how to adapt. And we can do that. And in this case, we're kind of forced to in a way. But yeah, it's, I think it's for all of us. Just Let's just remain calm as much as we can there we will be stressed and that is okay like that's going to be expected is that we're going to have the stress we're going to have the anxiety we're going to have the worry but we will get through it and eventually we'll get through it whatever that might look like down the road Uh, whether this is just going to continuously be the new normal we'll see but we will continuously try to adapt to everything and work itself out the best we can with what resources we have and pretty much working with each other for example in the nakata technology advising community i mean that's a huge shout out to them with what they've been doing just in this short amount of time doing tech tutorials on microsoft teams or doing a webinar on advising and blackboard creating a list of resources that advisors can use i mean you can easily find them on facebook you can search for nakata technology advising community and you can find a lot of that information there but in a way as advisors and advising community like we have come together and are trying to work through this together
0: yeah that's exactly it and i think that you mentioned there giving kudos and a shout out i would like to at this point give a a shout out to who a man who's been a very big supporter of us on this podcast michael giroux michael thank you for um constantly helping to promote the podcast we appreciate it and all of the kind words you've had to say it has not gone uh unacknowledged or unappreciated we we truly uh really do appreciate it and uh, just a big shout out and
1: michael if that's not how your last name
0: is pronounced
1: um, that is my bad i told colin that's how it's pronounced so hopefully that's how it's pronounced <laughs> but we tried
0: yeah fingers fingers crossed
1: and also shout out to sarah heller who is an academic advisor at montana state university sarah had reached out and was saying how much she likes in listening to our podcast and it's great to hear what other universities are doing in regards to advising kind of cool that through the podcast that came about so it's showing that we are kind of continuing with that advising community and building upon that with all of us in academic advising and speaking of this podcast, we have some great interviews that uh, we were able to do last week um, with people from various institutions because we wanted to see well, not only what's going on with you, Column, or, or me at my, instit- my institution at San Bernardino, but what's going on with, with others and how's everyone else dealing with it? Because not only are we dealing with like campus closures and working remotely, potentially. We're also dealing with a lot of different cancellations. Not only are you having various businesses closed, but there was a lot of region conferences for Nakata that were canceled and academic advising conferences that weren't Nakata related that were canceled.
0: Absolutely, Matt. And I know that this is something that really affected One of the conferences that you were on the organizing committee for.
1: Yeah, so that was the Nakata Region 9 conference that was going to be in Palm Springs in April. There were just so many more cases of people being um, impacted by COVID-19 in California. And then there was these um, uh, memos from our CC chancellor's office about canceling travel and that would have been a huge percentage of the conference attendees, and just with everything going on, the um, like Nakata executive always made the decision to cancel the Region Nine conference, and it's it's all understandable. And the way I look at it, it's like what John Cena, the wrestler and actor, said: "Like you control the controllable. Like it, this was out of our control. So the only thing we could control was." canceling the conference and refunding everyone with the registration and trying to plan for a future conference. So what we wanted to try to do, at least with the first couple of interviews, was kind of see what individuals or how individuals are working at their institutions, how things are going, but then also how the conferences um, being canceled impacted them. So the first interview we have up is with the Nakata Region 9 chair, Sherry Souza. She was the co-chair of last year's conference which was in Hawaii so we talked to her about how things are going on at her institution in Hawaii how things are being impacted there but then also as a region chair how things were impacted with the conference uh, being canceled so here we go. Mm All right, we have Sherry Souza, who is a counselor for Health Sciences and Emergency Medical Services and a faculty advisor to the Board of Student Publications at Kapiolani Community College. Sherry was also one of the Region 9 and 10 combined conference co-chairs for the 2019 conference in Hawaii for Nakata, and is also the current Region 9 NACADA chair. Sherry, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be your repeat guest. So yes. very privileged and honored.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I definitely should be saying welcome back again because we got the chance to interview you back in last year at the Nakata conference in Louisville when he had just become officially the region chair for Region 9 and we got to do a little short interview there and we wanted to have you back on a guest. I wish it was under better circumstances, a better topic to talk about, but... This is definitely a relevant uh, topic, especially as region chair, because one of the things we'll talk about very soon will be the cancellation of some of the Nakata conferences and conferences around the country. But at least we had the distinct honor to start it on a positive note as being a repeat guest. So congratulations.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matt.
1: <laughs> and what I also want to uh, continue with that positivity is in light of everything that's happening with um around the world, around the globe, in terms of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, recently, you just posted on social media um, some Tupac lyrics from his song, Me Against the World, <laughs> and you had uh, posted the lyrics of, through every night, there's always a, there's a brighter day. What made you decide to, to post that?
3: Yes, I think it's just so relevant right now. I mean, as a world, as a society, we're going through so much. Um, but you know there is a light at the end of the tun- at the end of the tunnel. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be a week from now. It may be a couple months from now. But I think that eventually, when we do come out of this as a as a world, you know, we'll come out better. Um, it, it's not going to be immediate, of course. But I think that we're really learning how we can rely on each other and how, as a human race, we're all so interconnected. Um, that we really do need to rely on each other um, in times like this. Um, So many times, you know, especially with the political climate, which I won't go into, um, you know, it's, 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 we can feel so isolated. But when something like this happens, the global pandemic, there is no one who's immune to this. So all of the measures that the different countries are taking, that the different states that, you know, everyone is taking um, affect us all. And so I think that's kind of was my motivation. My daughter and I were at the beach one day, my, someone took that picture and I thought, you know, this is a great picture It's us, us kind of looking into the distance. And I thought, you know, we're looking towards the future, whatever that may be, you know, we're looking for it. The, the sunshine will come out again. Um, we'll all come through this stronger. So that's, that was the thought process behind that. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> great. Like I, I haven't listened to Tupac it's so long. And so when you posted those lyrics, I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to go and <laughs> listen to it. And so I actually had it on repeat a couple of times before we started this interview. <laughs> And I just love the very end of that because he ends up kind of just like talking the rest of the lyrics where he's like, "So no matter how hard it get, get stick your chest out, keep your head up, and handle it." And I think that's something um, as a world we're going to do. And music's actually been something over the last few days. I've technically been on vacation at home because I can't really go anywhere in California right now with everything. And so I've just been listening to a lot of music. So not only just recently with "Me Against the World" from Tupac, but then. Ryan Sheckle, who's also an Akata member, uh, posted on social media, uh, the Dropkick Murphys were doing a live concert. He posted that. And then the first song that I listened to was uh, towards the end of the concert. It was a song called Forgetting Right Now, but I downloaded it. So <laughs> it's called Until the Next Time. And mm. I was like, oh, that's such a perfect title for a song. and And everything that song was about. And I was like, this is just everything's just connecting meaning wise with lyrics to everything that's going on right now in the world so music's another way
3: definitely and i think you know it's an unfortunate situation but a lot of us are having the time to reconnect with people reconnect with um just thoughts and you know revisit things that we haven't had the time to just sit and do because as a society we're so busy we're running from one meeting to the next Mm -hmm. I'm not to say that we're not doing that at home, but I think, you know, as we're in isolation, we're reconnecting with things that we were passionate about. So this morning, I did 15 minutes of yoga stretching, (laughs) (laughs) you know, instead of sitting in traffic for an hour, I was like, I'm going to stretch a little bit. And it's just, you know, re-establishing, I guess, connections, whether it be with people or yourself, I think, has been one of the unintended positive outcomes of everything that we're going through right now.
1: And definitely appreciating the little things in in the Mm -hmm. world. Um, So I guess going into that, how are things over where you're at, Hawaii?
3: Yeah, things are changing. I mean, uh, today is Friday the the 20th, and mm -hmm. things are changing day by day. Um, just yesterday, I believe, the governor is asking tourists to stay away from Hawaii for 30 days. And that is unprecedented. I mean, tourism is our number one industry. And for him to come out and say, hey, don't take advantage of those cheap flights. Please, you know, we're trying to save the state. Um, stay away. And so that came out. Um, the lieutenant governor is calling for a suspension of all non-essential travel to Hawaii. And he wants to close businesses and schools until April 30th. Um, that hasn't been approved yet. but That's what his recommendation is. Uh, Hawaii airports, we learned yesterday, are now mandating 14-day self-quarantines for residents and visitors coming to the island. So there are a lot of measures that they're taking. Um, Implementation, I think they're still discussing all of that, but there's so much that's just changing in the state. Um, And, you know, the University of Hawaii is the only state system here, and so we're being responsive to that. We just learned this week that we're canceling commencement for all 10 of the campuses, so that was um, understandable. But I think that will um, definitely impact students um, where I work in the health sciences program. So we have a lot of students on clinicals and we're trying to figure out, you know, which students can sign clinicals. A lot of the healthcare operations do need additional help. And so if our students can do the more entry level um, basic support type things, we are allowing them to stay at the clinical sites at this point in time. That may change, you know, in the next couple of hours. You never know. Um, but we're trying to figure out how do we help students, you know, continue through the programs? How do we help them through graduation, um, in this environment? So everything is changing so quickly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the state of Hawaii right now, what we're going through.
1: Yeah. And I guess with, with your students that you work with, both, you know, a lot of the, mm-hmm. the, the si- health sciences and labs, I, I started thinking about with the classes and has the faculty, um, where you're at, have they kind of figured that out?
3: Uh, they've been in discussion. So I can only speak for the health programs. And so, for example, um, our medical assisting program this week, uh, coming on Monday, they're supposed to be learning about injections. And so they were joking. They're like, should we do dart practice? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, normally they practice injections on each other. And so there's no way to have them socially distant. So we're looking at bringing in mannequins using other type of um, Synthetic um, replacements so that they can continue with those but the other issue is the social distancing and making sure that there's um, No more than so the UH UH system is saying they don't want more than 10 people in an enclosed space at one time Our labs most of them do have more than 10 people So we do need to try and apply for an exemption through the vice president of the community college office We are supposed to hear back by this afternoon whether or not we can continue with that but they are looking at ways of doing some of the lab work outside. I know our emergency medical tech students have been outside this week practicing um, on the mannequins and on the simulation um, mannequins, but it, it's it's just an interesting, unprecedented time. You know, we of course want the students to graduate, but at the same time, you know, it's the state of the, the state of the state and the state of the nation. I think health and safety is most important and Um, in the bigger scheme of things, should people get sick, should an entire class get wiped out, you know, we may not be here for graduation. So we are trying to be mindful of that, um, while ensuring um, that students are able to meet their academic needs. So it's an interesting time for us all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely interesting, strange, strange time. Has the conversation come up, do you know, um, with how grading might work with all these changes? Like, are they still going to maybe have? Um, actually a through f grading no credit is a pass fail
3: we are still um, there has been that conversation i don't think any decisions have been made um the last i heard university of hawaii system is just remaining on the a through f but they are allowing students to change the grading options um later than usual they're also recommending that instructors be more flexible in terms of giving out the incomplete grades so that if students for whatever reason feel that they can't complete online um, you know, that they do have that incomplete in- option. Um, we return from spring break this coming Monday. So I think that'll be the real test. Um, we, when everything got really bad last week, that was our spring break. And so we really haven't had students on campus anyway. So I think a lot of it um, will happen this coming week. So we had a meeting this morning to kind of prepare for questions we may be getting. Um and also, you know, the students who don't have access to computers at home, you know, how are we addressing those needs as well? So a lot of triage, I think, is going to be happening in the next couple of days.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think it's just good advice for everyone. Just kind of stay calm, be patient. Things will get done the best they can with what mm-hmm. resources are available. But everyone's looking in the best interest of, of the students. Definitely. So kind of going from talking about what's going on at your institution and, and with students, one of the things with a lot of advisors too, is things that were coming up for spring, which was a lot of the advising conferences. And so one of them was our region nine conference that was supposed to be uh, next month in April. Um, so as region chair, I mean, you've been working with myself and Elizabeth, but for <laughs> you working with us and working with the executive office and trying to get this conference going, um, when would, when did you feel like there actually might be the chance that this conference is going to
0: get canceled?
4: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today.
3: There was so many unknowns, and I think um, we were laughing about it earlier because literally I think we had a steering committee meeting on a Tuesday where I assured everyone (laughs) that business is normal, you know, conference is going to be on. Let me know if you can come to our um, steering committee dinner, you know. Um, That was a Tuesday, and I feel like it was possibly the Thursday or Friday of that week that we learned that the Cal State system issued a travel ban, which just drastically reduced the number of people who could even attend the conference. I think that took out all of our pre-conferences. It took out about half of our attendees. Um, so that happened. And then I feel like over that weekend between maybe Thursday or Friday until the following Monday when they decided to cancel, just so much happened, um, you know, in the U.S. and then overseas as well. Um, so it was just, it was such a quick <laughs> um, a quick turnaround of, you know, the things that I was thinking about worrying, you know, the things that I was concerned about. Because initially I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, if Matt can't come to the conference and if Liz can't come, I'm sure there's no way I could step into your shoes. But, you know, maybe there's some way that I could do this, you know, with the steering committee members who are able to be there. Or maybe there's some way that, you know, we can offer partial part of this online or virtually or something. And that just changed so quickly. Um, but, you know, I have to say the one thing has been you and Elizabeth have been just amazing to work with in terms of just being so professional and calm and maintaining communication with myself, um, your your planning committee, and then also the executive office. I think that has really helped me it's just having a leadership team in which everyone was really pulling their weight. And I think going back to just staying calm and knowing that there's just things out of our hands right now. There's things that we can't control, but we all have each other's backs and we know that, you know, we can rely on the executive office for help if we need it. Um, I think that was something that was really calming for me um, when you, it's just, you know, when you work with people who are so amazing. And so the the Nakata membership as a whole are just great people. But when you work with people like that, it doesn't become work. It's fun. Like I enjoy talking to you all, um, and I enjoy calling the executive office because I know that, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, what's going on what crisis we're facing, everyone has the best interests, you know, of each other in their hearts. And it's, it's refreshing. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but... <laughs>
1: oh, no, it does. I mean, because it's definitely an unprecedented time. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think when, when you were co-chairing the conference last year that that was something that ever came up as a possibility of a reason that your conference would get canceled. And I think you were even mentioning earlier, uh, when we tried recording this yesterday, <laughs> uh, uh, you had gotten actually a text from, from your conference co-chair.
3: Yeah, she had texted me um, yesterday saying, hey, look, um, Nakata 2019 was a year ago. Can you believe that? And I just thought, oh, my, it seems like it was yesterday. But so much has changed in the world since then. I mean, to even fathom that this type of thing would go on in the world, in which I think only one conference out of the, the all of the different regions for Nakata went on, I mean, to have something this at this scale, just canceling all the different conferences across the nation, um, I you know, majorly all sports have been cancelled. You know, we don't even know if the Olympics are gonna be going on. Um, there's no way I think that anyone could have predicted this, except possibly Bill Gates. I don't know if you
0: right. <laughs>
1: probably <laughs>
3: <laughs> he had some kind of uh, talk in twenty fifteen about this, but yeah. you know, I mean I don't think anyone could have predicted this. And that's why I think I'm so grateful to have you and Elizabeth, you know, on board. Um, and also the Nakata executive office to kind of tread these waters because everything is changing so quickly. You know, what happens today, like I was saying, I don't even know what's going to be happening in a couple of hours here at our campus. Um, But I think when you have people that you can rely on and, you know, that are able to laugh through it and just, you know, going back to the quote that I shared, there is sunshine somewhere, you know, we just got to get there. Right. But yeah, there is no way. Yeah, Tiana and I were laughing. Tiana was my co chair um, last year. And there's no way we could have even thought something like this would happen. I mean, we thought, oh, what if it rains during the reception? But that seems so minor now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like like that was our concern. Oh my gosh, what if it rains during the reception or outside? Mm -hmm. I mean, a year ago, that was the worry. But now, you know, looking to the future, I mean, could this be something that happens again? I mean, hopefully not. But I think there's other. things now that as leadership we need to be aware of going forward
1: and I guess that leads into currently right now the region 9 conference and the conferences for the rest of the regions are canceled but what can you do you know of any possible alternatives that you can think of for some of these future conferences so even if it's region 9 for next year or any other advising conferences in general
3: I think offering some type of virtual track might be an option, not just um, in instances of this, but I think Region 9 has been excellent in terms of inclusion and diversity and making sure that, you know, we're including everyone. And I think a lot of times people aren't able to travel, whether it be for a travel ban or maybe just they don't have the budget. And so possibly looking at creating some type of digital track, um, maybe a digital virtual conference experience, because I think that would be one way to further get people engaged. Um, I think our members have so much great information to share. And I feel like, um, you know, providing it virtually, there's, I mean, we have the technology now as we're learning to have meetings virtually and they run well. Um, So I think having something like that may be worthwhile. I think um, going back to the whole connections, you know, just people connecting with each other. And I think that's going to be important as we move forward. Um, People are going to be coming out of, you know, isolation for how long? And I think it's just, you know, I shared yesterday, just seeing your face, (laughs) seeing a face. (laughs) um it's just so nice so i think having those type of virtual um uh, opportunities whether they be full conference tracks or maybe just more um lunch and learn type drop-in sessions i think would be really important going on for our well-being and i think for professional development going forward
1: yeah and i would be up for being part of any of that and watching any of those or even if it's doing a lunch and learn and getting to eat my lunch and talk to others and just see someone virtually, then I can have I s- some sort of human contact in a way.
3: <laughs> right. It's so my girlfriend and I started FaceTiming cause she's in California and she's not allowed to go outside. Mm-hmm. And so we found out there's filters. So every time I call her now, I see a different octopus or giraffe. And so that's, <laughs> I mean, it's the little things that entertain us now because sure. you know, it, Two weeks ago, we were so busy, you know, just being in traffic, sitting on the train, getting to work, you know, doing our jobs, getting home, trying to make dinner, you know, and everything. But now it's just, you realize how important the relationships are, I think.
1: And so to kind of end this, we started on a positive note with with the song, um, song lyrics, but to end it on a positive note. Well, actually, this may not necessarily be a positive note, depending on how (laughs) how you see it. But um, like a month or so ago, we were all emailing like you, myself, Elizabeth and uh, Ben Hopper from the executive office and we're talking about conference stuff and then mm-hmm. somehow Friends got brought up, the TV show oh, Friends
0: Yes. and
1: we found out like Ben and I seem to love Friends but Elizabeth is kind of like in the middle um, and you are kind of on the, on the opposite side in terms of being <laughs> anti-Friends. Why <Yeah>. is that? <laughs>
3: I just never got into it and I cannot stand Jennifer Aniston. And so I'm sorry, Jennifer, if you are Matt's (laughs) number one fan, I will remove myself from being a future guest (laughs) ever, but I just, I cannot do it. And so all of my friends growing up and I know how big of a cultural icon that show has been. I have my um, cousin's fiance learned English from watching Friends in China, Um, but I just, I cannot do it. And so if there's anyone out there listening and you feel the same way, please reach out. (laughs) We can have a virtual support group, but yeah, I just, I can't do it, Matt. I can't do it.
1: Everyone has their own opinion. (laughs) So Ben and I will will, will continue watching friends and and support Jennifer Aniston. And you can, you know, not. Not. Um, (laughs) It, when it turns out that Victoria Argot, who was on our conference committee for Region 9, uh, she also doesn't like Friends, so yes. I'm sure she will reach out to you and you both can have a virtual session with Elizabeth.
3: I am so excited for that. <laughs> for years, I thought I was the only one. And so when you posted that video, I thought, oh, there's another person out there who is not a Friends fan. I need her name and number. <laughs>
1: well, I'm sure there's only just a handful a handful of you that that don't like Friends, but that's okay. We can still be Friends. thank you (laughs) you also like the rock dwayne johnson but a a certain time frame of The Rock.
3: so i don't like rock now i like wwf rock not wwe wwf rock (laughs) (laughs) because he just got older and too big now but yeah i'm a fan of the rock so i I do love the rock the spice girls i'm going to throw them in because i absolutely love the spice girls um and then on the other end the far far other end of the spectrum friends. So,
1: okay. yeah. Well, I, I do like the Spice Girls as well. We, we, we can talk positively about those.
3: Things. We'll still end on that positive note.
1: Yes. And so that's where we'll end this interview. <laughs> Sherry, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you and getting to work with you and your leadership is definitely great within Nakata and, and our steering committee. And so I really appreciate it. And I look forward to hopefully having you on as on the third time on our podcast but I'm really happy that you get to be our first guest that be a repeat guest
3: I know I'm so excited thank you so much for inviting me back I've never been a second on anything so (laughs) (laughs) if I can be your first third then I'll be there (laughs) thank you so much for everything you do Matt
1: we're gonna make history (laughs) thanks (laughs) And then our next interview is with Elizabeth Tisdale, who's an academic advisor at the University of California, Riverside. So we wanted to also kind of take this from a co-chair standpoint of a conference being canceled and the work that gets put in the conference, and then what happens now that you no longer have a conference to plan. Let's welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth Tisdale, who is a professional academic advisor in the School of Business Administration at University of California, Riverside. Elizabeth has served on various advising committees and organizes many of the events at UC Riverside. Elizabeth also served on the steering committee for the California Collaborative Advising and Counseling Conference and is, was, we'll find out, the conference chair for the 2020 Region 9 Conference. Elizabeth, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. And it's, you know, I know we have that little joke at the end about, are you or were you still are, I don't know, the conference chair for the Region 9 conference. And I know we'll get into that. But if we could start, um, can you tell us a little about your background and how you got to where you're at and also how you ended up being uh, one of the chairs for the Region 9 conference?
2: Okay. Well, you mentioned that I work for the University of California, Riverside. I actually did my undergrad there and I started off in admissions. I was in admissions for about 10 years and then I decided, well, my thought process was I'm admitting all these students and going through the process with them And then once they're on campus, I really don't get to see them. So advising was a perfect natural development for me to go into. So I've been advising for about five years now for the School of Business, and it's been a good experience. Um, As far as getting involved in conference committees, I actually had a supervisor um, who was heavily involved in NACADA and different professional development committees and he saw potential in me being on these steering committees and asked me to be on these different committees. So that's kind of how I've gotten involved in both the California Collaborative and Nakata through just seeking out leadership opportunities. And it's just been such a great opportunity to meet other professionals like myself as well as just expand my knowledge on the advising community as a whole.
1: Awesome. And do you want to give a shout out to your former supervisor?
2: I do. I wasn't sure. Yeah, his name is Kazimamun. He was very heavily involved in Nakata and held a lot of positions in the organizations and just really was a big advocate for... Uh, professional development so i was very fortunate to have him he's since retired but i was very fortunate to have him as as an um, supervisor at the time and i know we have a similar path um, of career development as well which we related on
1: yeah and it's when we were working on the california collaborative conference together i remember we had like a a phone conversation once to talk about the conference and then we took time to like let's let's get to know each other and then we're like wow okay we kind of felt like we grew up and had like these parallels you at UCR and me at Cal State San Bernardino. And then we're doing something that, that we love advising students and then also getting to get a lot of that professional development, working on conferences and yeah, again, getting a shout out to Kazi and I know he was part of the California collaborative steering committee and I'm sure he misses the students and maybe some of the work, but I'm sure he's enjoying retirement as well.
2: Absolutely. And I can absolutely say that with everything I was very fortunate to meet you, Matt. You, um, we worked on the California Collaborative. We kind of, our campuses co-hosted it um, and we, our current co-chairs of the 2020 conference.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's still up in the air because it got canceled. (laughs) But speaking of the Region 9 conference that was supposed to be in Palm Springs, Mm -hmm. um, with our past experience working on the collaborative conference together, I think uh, both Amber Dillon at the time and now Sherry Mm -hmm. Souza um, had faith in us in terms of being co-chairs for the conference. And we thought it was such a great fit. And um, we were basically going to put on a, a great conference and everything was planned to. But speaking of that conference back in November uh, last year, I thought it was January, but it was actually November that we were in Palm Springs together at the Renaissance hotel where the conference was supposed to be at. And we're doing the walkthrough. And then we took some time to actually do an interview um, because at that time, I was very interested in, in interviewing advisors and those in the advising field. And I had my my camera, my microphone with me. And I was going to post it when it recorded in November, but then uh, Colm and I uh, were going to start the podcast. So I was like, oh, I'm going to wait for the perfect moment and then use the audio from this video for the podcast. Mm-hmm. But then everything came out with the coronavirus and yes. can- conferences getting canceled. And then we were talking the, last week and we're like, I don't know if we could use any of it. But I think we can. There's some of, of what we interviewed about that I think we can play uh, for listeners. Uh, we won't put everything in there because part, much of the interview you were talking about, all the plans you had for the conference. Mm-hmm. And since we're not having the conference, it's kind of a mute point. But yeah. we'll go ahead and let, let's play it right now and then we'll we'll come back. So here we go. And if there's anyone, whether it's at UCR, CSUSB, any school, they want to try to get more involved, I mean, not necessarily within Akata but maybe, or some advising association, what advice would you give them for those that are looking to uh, do more professional development?
2: Okay. I would definitely reach out to individuals who are currently on in leadership positions within NACADA um, and see where there is any openings for you potentially to pursue a role of leadership. But you do have to seek out those opportunities. Um, when you go to the different conferences, if you have the opportunity to network, as well as a lot of people's contact information is online. So reach out to those individuals, send emails, um, and see kind of how they have Sought out leadership opportunities um, within their career.
1: And I will say, I have known Elizabeth since uh, 2017. She's a wonderful person, and I look forward to everything else that we're going to be doing together. So check us out, Region 9 Conference, uh, April 2020. And I think that's it. We got a conference to plan.
2: We do. See you all soon.
1: Oh, Elizabeth, uh, that last part of you saying "see you, see you soon" uh, it's like a punch to the gut. It is. Can you talk about? Can you talk about maybe about the conference, like how you were uh, planning it and working with the committees?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start from the very beginning. Um, Matt and I began planning this conference in the hopes that uh, we would be hosting it in Southern California we had the opportunity to kind of filled a lot of locations and came to the conclusion that Palm Springs would be a good balance for us to host it. it. Not from my knowledge, it has been hosted there in the past or at least the recent past. So it was just a good place. And we came up with a good theme for the conference to kind of go with the wellness theme that has been going around. So it was just a really natural process and just good and Matt is amazing at shooting videos and just keeping people in the know so I was very fortunate to have you as a co-chair to really just do all that the technical things and all the amazing just videos that you've done and then um Come this year, as we entered this year, we were still in the mindset that this conference is going to be held. We were still going to visit the hotels or the hotel um, looking for several hotels to do flow, um, uh, do excess flow over to because the hotel did fill up. And we. I think we both were in the mindset that this is just going to move forward. And so as things started progressing and I think our campuses started sending out messaging and we started to see events that we were either going to attend or hosting were being canceled. It became very real for the two of us. And so once uh, two regions got canceled, um, I think it was kind of a telltale sign that we were moving in that direction. And I think we all did a really good job at preparing the information we needed to provide to the executive office to consider um, how we were going to move forward. Ultimately, the conference ended up being canceled. And till this day, it is still very surreal. After you go through planning something for almost two years, and then you know over a matter of days or hours it is then canceled that's you know that's kind of tough to deal with but it was just you know a labor of love and everyone just really did their due diligence and worked hard to make sure that this conference went off without a hitch and unfortunately unforeseen circumstances occurred and we just had to roll with the punches.
1: Yeah, I think you were you were referring to like region one and eight when they got canceled, and it was like, oh, I think the writing's yes. on the wall that we're gonna get canceled too. And then it turned out not yes. only us, but the remaining region conferences that were you know gonna be in March, Correct. April, and May also are canceled. But I think that's a great opportunity for us to um, you know, shout out our our conference committee for region nine. So like Michael Sursosimo and yes. Stephanie Sigler, Jessica Davis, John Noriega, mm-hmm. Maria Domingo. Michael Harrison, uh, Brian uh, Gomez, Leslie Davidson-Boyd, uh, Nikita, mm-hmm. Renee, Leah, Alejandra Garibay, uh, Naka Manuel, Victoria Argot, Dana Gleason, and Cara mm-hmm. Marie Fahm. And so many of them actually uh, members for CSUSB and uh, over with you and, at, at ECR. And actually... Uh, your registration, the registration chair was someone that also works in your office.
2: Absolutely. So Brianne Gomez was our registration chair. Unfortunately, she didn't get to greet everyone at the conference, (laughs) but I know there will be more opportunities for uh, people to take on leadership roles within conferences. And I also do want to shout out our keynote speaker, Tara Brown, who is from the College of Engineering at UCR, who was going to be the speaker there. So you know, think, I want to thank her for agreeing to uh, be the keynote. You're
1: going to tell her the, the news of the conference being canceled. She thought you were uh, saying that she she you replaced her.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. So I text her and I was like, Tara, can you talk now? Um, I have some updates for you. And her response was, am I getting getting replaced by someone else? Did you find a better uh, <laughs> keynote? And I was like, no, absolutely not. And it was just me kind of forewarning her kind of where the conference was going at that point in time. So Yeah. And, and,
1: yeah. and I know it's still kind of up in the air in terms of you know, are we going to postpone the conference or, you know, just move on to Mm -hmm. next year uh, with the next conference committee and we'll see how things go. Um, But, you know, it's definitely a, you know, kind of a a sad time for the conference to be Mm -hmm. canceled, but it's one of those things where the decision was right to cancel it with everything going on with, with this virus and the amount of people that are impacted Mm -hmm. by it. So speaking of that and, you know, you working at UC Riverside, How are things going on right now with with your institution?
2: Yeah, so at my campus, uh, the first set of action was to have faculty start moving to an online classroom system. Up until last week, finals uh, were still going on, and then they decided that they were going to move finals online as well, and ultimately decided to hold spring quarter online completely. As far as staff, I think it was when the health commissioner in Riverside um, put out a statement that, you know, this is very serious and campus decided to close its door to um, non-crucial staff members to be on campus. So on Sunday night, we were notified to, and Prior to that, we did do precautions to move forward remotely. So we were prepared for it. Um, but I think with everything that has happened, there's just so much unknown. So we didn't know what, what we were going to be doing, where, where we were going to be moving forward towards. And ultimately, the primary decision was to have staff members work remotely until April 3rd. And just until recently, this uh, week, we got moved to not coming back until april 30th so i feel like you like you were saying matt there's just every day there's just changes and you just don't know what to expect so i think like we all have this this thought process of just making sure that everyone's okay and making sure we still are servicing the students and still able to perform our job duties in the best capacity that we can.
1: Yeah. And and I know when a lot of this was going down, like we were texting each other going like, Hey, what's your school doing? This is what we're doing right now. And, <laughs> and even for us, it was kind of like a, a day-to-day thing where, you know, our finals, this being uh-huh. recorded on, you know, Friday, uh, March 20th, uh, this week was finals week for us. And last Friday, uh, we had an email that said that, It was going to be business as usual for finals. And then we would go to, at least for the first few weeks, we would go to an an online format uh, for classes. And um, it would just be up to us how we would have our offices structured. And then Monday came and this past Monday, and it was like, nope, finals are all going to be online. But I think a lot of our faculty were already prepared for it. And so a lot of them were already moving mm-hmm. to that anyway, and um, and probably like uh, UCR and a lot of the other institutions, like our ITS department was making sure everyone, all faculty, knew how to how to get everything online, how to utilize like their their LMS mm-hmm. systems, um, and help out any way they can. They offered a lot of like trainings and Zoom trainings, and so I know they worked really hard to do that, and are still are doing that. I guess how's it? how's everything Mm -hmm. scheduled for, for you, like working remotely? I think now you're on day five or so. (laughs) How, how are you doing?
2: (laughs) I'm doing okay. I go from being used to working with the two monitor type of situation and uh, I work for a college office. So the college office not only processes advising and, just day-to-day interactions with students, but we also process major changes. We process graduation applications and things of that nature. So it's kind of just trying to adjust your setup to still make sure you're servicing and being as efficient as possible. Um, you know, it. so we have just been, well, I have just been trying to um, make sure that students are being answered in a very prompt, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of unknown. And so you want to make the student feel secure, and that you're still there for them and still able to advise. We've still been holding advising sessions virtually, uh, via email, via uh, Zoom, or I've even called students who weren't available to use any of those platforms. Um, I've just pressed star2 and given them a call to block my number and uh, just been making sure that the student feels okay and being there and just doing what you can. but you know you're you're spending your days <laughs> in your in your home trying to you know still function at the level that you function in the office.
1: And I guess some of the students that, that you've already like had the phone conversations with or worked virtually or even prior to working remotely, um, how, are, how are some of those students that you've talked to, how are they handling this?
2: I think they're doing fine as of now because it is finals week. And so they have been more concerned with trying to complete their finals in a different setting than they ori- originally envisioned. So I presume after grades post and things like that, we will get a lot more emails and appointments Um, filled in. But I think we have done a good job to set that system up to make sure that students can contact us if they need us.
1: I think uh, like UCR, they were very much on top of it where they already set it you know, kind of a few weeks before finals that, hey, everything's going to be online. So faculty mm-hmm. and, and students already mm-hmm. knew about it. And so I think, you know, a lot of institutions were doing mm-hmm. that too. So at least there was a lot of, you know, preparation that had to be done, but there was enough time, I think, for at least with your institution as well, that they were able to get it done to where students weren't frantically trying to figure out what what am I supposed to do, or faculty weren't trying to frantically figure out what they're supposed to do. Maybe in the initial stages when it first came out but they had time to smooth things over
2: and get all their questions and concerns answered um i think one of our faculty member actually held a, a zoom tutorial for all the faculty that was not aware of it and our the assistant to the dean actually sent out a link that zoom actually put out of a tutorial how to use their system which is probably even more in depth so that's been good there's been a lot of resources thank goodness that we've had access to so um that lends itself to just preparation so
1: and so and to end this on a positive note um well sort of funny now i think is uh, yesterday we actually recorded this interview Mm -hmm. and um, I couldn't download mm-hmm. the file. Uh, there was an error, and so we had to do this again today. So we kind of, kind of consider yesterday to be the test run. But um, on Facebook, a lot mm-hmm. of people are posting like, since we're working remotely, hey, I'm at home. So if I have a sibling or um, a pet or you know, some someone that they are now considered your coworkers. So I think mm-hmm. you were doing this on uh, one of your staff meetings. Can you share with what some of your coworkers mm-hmm. were? Your actual coworkers were saying that their quote unquote co-workers were doing.
2: <laughs> so, you know, many of my coworkers have to be home with their pets and their children, and it's just a new adjustment. So we were talking about what our new coworkers were doing. And one of my coworkers said, My co-worker just bit me. It's just her three-year-old daughter. And the other coworker said, I just had to yell at my colleague to put her pants back on. So, <laughs> so it's just been, you know, it's you have to find the humor and the the happiness and joy in certain situations and just support one another. So I think we've all been doing that. Yeah,
1: it's definitely an adjustment, like you said. And also like you said, gotta find the humor in it and still still gotta get through exactly. it. And um together we will get through it. And and I think it for does. us since uh we've texted a lot and and worked so hard on, mm-hmm. on the conference together and have known each other for a few years. I think we're gonna hopefully set up some weekly meetings or lunch meetings and Absolutely. we can do it virtually.
2: <laughs> you have to tell me what your coworkers are doing.
1: <laughs> uh mine, uh so let's see our cat Spidey, um that would be our co-worker and she's probably like your your actual coworker is 3 year old so you know she's mm-hmm. biting and wants treats all the time so yeah yeah
2: <laughs> like what are you doing here
1: <laughs> yes yes because we, we were talking yesterday how there was uh, some meme where it's a picture of a cat and you know cuz dogs are always about want the attention so they probably mm-hmm. love that the homeowner is home and mm-hmm. with, with with them but like the um, the cat would say that, why is my servant here? What is going on? Right. Exactly. <laughs> they should be out at work and come back. Later. Right,
2: come back. <laughs> Fill my bowl. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Liz, always a pleasure. Um, you know, nice. so unfortunate circumstances, uh, but I'm really glad that I know you and we get to work together. And I. Hope we continue to get to work together with things with yes. advising and within Nakata, but always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Likewise, thank you, Matt.
0: Matt, it was really interesting to hear from Sherry and Elizabeth and yourself there in relation to you know the impact of the cancellation of conferences and all the work that has gone in. And I know it's for people it's not a decision that's taken lightly because you know so much time and effort and investment has gone in. But when health and safety is in question, I there it just has to be done. And I think people will understand. There's understandable disappointment, I suppose, for people who were going to be presenting or attending and were really excited about maybe a, a keynote or seeing a certain presentation. But I think in in these times there's there's no choice so for all of the people who are having to make the decision to cancel a conference we we understand I think that's the the message that is coming across and i think that's what has happened with the nakata executive office they have
1: been great on communicating not only with attendees but then also with the conference co-chairs and the conference committees to ensure that we're all on the same page but speaking of conferences you were scheduled to be going to a conference in early april what's the status of that
0: yes that's correct i was due to head to the ucat conference in glasgow and that has been postponed and rescheduled for the 31st of August and the 1st of September. So they have given a new date. And I suppose that will give a totally different flavor to the conference in many ways, because we're looking at a, a new academic year at that time. And fingers crossed, the current covid-19 situation will have passed i feel you know for the the organizers and for david who you know has just taken over as the chairperson it 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 can't have been an easy decision for him to make you know you 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 you, you come into a new role i'm sure he was looking forward to it and then due to circumstances beyond his control
1: And I know how excited that you were to be attending the UCAT conference. So I'm glad that they were able to reschedule. So fingers crossed, everything works out. And uh, best of luck to to David on his new role and getting this conference uh, in a few months. But you were able to interview uh, someone as well.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, I spoke to Lauren Patterson, who is an immigration advisor for students at the University of Central Florida, And I thought it would be really interesting to talk to somebody stateside around the impact on international students, because I know in Ireland and for my students, it's a huge concern about when a university closes and there are immigration restrictions, they're supposed to be attending classes, they need to be progressing. What does that all mean? And when I conducted this interview with Lauren, um, the Irish government had not, things were still a little bit up in the air. So um, there has been clarity since, but Lauren was able to offer insights into what it meant for her students. And she has about 3,000 international students at UCF, so a sizable cohort. And the... Campus closures and the movement online has, you know, caused a lot of stress and anxiety because students are only able to take a, a certain number of online classes. So Lauren talks about that in this interview and how she is approaching it and her work with the students in terms of trying to navigate, negotiate immigration legislation when you're dealing with bureaucracy and you're not just dealing with your own institution you're dealing with state bodies that don't always have a full understanding of you know um the student experience so really grateful to Lauren for for taking the time to to chat to me and you can hear what she has to say now I am joined today by Lauren Patterson, who works as an immigration advisor at University of Central Florida. Lauren advises over 3,000 F1 students and J1 scholars and their dependents relating to immigration and compliance. She also has extensive experience in the field of international education, working in both the private and public sectors with the Department of State's J1 intern and trainee programs. One of Lauren's main objectives in her current role is to educate, advocate, and advise UCS international population and campus partners on the topics of employment authorization, such as CPT, OPT, and STEM OPT. Lauren also currently sits on the executive board of the Florida Association of International Educators, FAIE, and works closely with other regional NAFSA partners in advocacy initiatives throughout the state welcome lauren thanks for taking the time to join me today
4: hi colin thank you so much for inviting me it's nice to to finally have a chat with you about some of this stuff
0: indeed because (laughs) we have been chatting online in i suppose we're we're both uh interested in areas around immigration and and working (laughs) in areas of immigration so we we have kind of shared knowledge already (laughs) but it is wonderful to have you on the podcast for listeners, though, I suppose, being an immigration advisor at UCF or in America, for, for those who, who aren't based in America, what does that actually mean on a day-to-day level?
4: Yeah, so um, at, at UCF, we have about 3,000 um, international students and their dependents, um, F1s um, and J1 scholars. Those can be scholars or exchange visitors. Um, and so typically on a day-to-day basis, um, we are uh, working and advising students on maintaining their immigration status. Um, there are a lot of different rules and regulations regarding full-time enrollment, um, hours that they can work on on-campus job or potentially internships, um, you know, if they have to fall below full-time, um, and kind of mapping out their their long-term goals, right? Because, um, especially here in the United States, um, you know, planning is key for a lot of these international students, especially if they think that they may want to stay here after they graduate. So kind of talking to those students about, you know, um, what they might need to do now to ensure that they continue to maintain and remain in good standing um, with their immigration records, because um, their immigration records uh, will follow them here uh, for the forever, um, especially if they decide to stay here. So, and, and kind of educating the, those students about, about that um, and, and ensuring ensuring that they're complying with all of the regulations.
0: Okay. So yeah, kind of a (laughs) a very important undertaking, a complex undertaking I imagine at times uh, because having worked in, especially now, indeed, indeed. And and that's probably what we're going to get into. We're recording this in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And obviously that is impacting globally, And it's impacted on my own institution at Dublin City University and here in Ireland around the world. What about what's what's going on in relation to COVID-19 at your own institution?
4: yeah well it's definitely put um it's turned the entire world upside down not just international education or immigration um it's def- definitely affecting us here um at u c f and and across the united states um you know for for us we moved uh our our interim president um decided to um from guidance of the Florida Board of Governors to go remote for the rest of the spring semester, Uh, do remote uh, teaching, remote, remote classes and all um, non-essential employees should be working remote as well. Um, And then just, Last night or Wednesday, I believe it was uh, the floor, uh, the board of governors then mandated that all summer classes now will also be online. So um, they kind of pulled that trigger and made that that decision. You know, and I think it was the good decision for now. I think there's not enough that we really know. Um, you know, we're kind of I think a few weeks behind you guys over over across the pond. Um, so we're kind of looking at what you guys um, are kind of experiencing, and I think. You know, it's it was the right decision. I don't think that there's any way that, um, you know, we we are you know our our summer semester starts on May 11th. It's in uh, in classes in the spring and just at the end of April. Um, so, you know, it's only a few more weeks, and I just don't think that it's going to to change much. So, I think that was the smart decision. But it especially, I mean, it's impacting all students, you know, domestic or international, of course, because now. Um, you know, now they're going to be online. Maybe they've never taken online classes before. Maybe there's a reason they haven't taken online classes before. So there's a lot of learning curves. Um, you know, me, myself um, and my team, you know, we are very uh, forward facing or we face face to face with students a lot. A lot of the things mm-hmm. that we do. Um, do require processing of immigration documents. Uh, we print I-20s or DS 2019s. Um, we authorize employment. Um, so a lot of that stuff um, can be a challenge working remotely, but um, you know, we're about three days into it and it seems to be working okay. We do have a small skeleton staff um, at our office, um, but we are no longer seeing students uh, full stop. Um, everything is going to be mailing out even the even the the employees that are currently there um we're not se- there's no walk-ins there's no nothing um we're you know but so it's a challenge um but for international students especially um it's it has unprecedented um challenges because you know um there are certain regulations that they have to maintain one of them is being full-time enrollment um and only one of those classes out of their full-time enrollment can be online. So one of the questions that, you know, we had as international educators is immigration advisors is what will DHS, the department of Homeland security and this um, student exchange visitor program do um, if we, we did go remote. So luckily we did get guidance um, and they are going to allow uh, international students to maintain their records and to maintain their immigration status as long as the universities are online. Um, and they can do that from inside the United States or from abroad. Um, and they will be able to maintain their immigration record, which is which is welcoming news for us because now we have um, something to tell students because a lot of them are scared. Um, they don't know, you know, some of them want to go home um, to be with their families can they get home? Can they when can they come back? Some of them can't go home for a, a variety of different reasons. Um, you know, we have um you know, we have students from Iran that that you know, they they can't travel home. Um, you know, so they're far from their loved ones and you know, we we're seeing what's happening um with COVID nineteen and and the numbers over there too. So it's it's a very stressful time for them. So just trying to keep them calm and there's still a lot of unanswered questions that they have too which can be very difficult because we don't always have have the answers but trying to be transparent um transparent with them on what we do know.
0: Mm -hmm. Indeed I think obviously uncertainty creates an awful lot of stress and anxiety for students and Mm -hmm. I suppose I'm, I'm wondering the, the move away from face to face, it is necessary. Um, uh-huh. And it has been mandated in many respects. But how have students responded to that?
4: Um, I think once they knew, I think the first thing was my immigration record, I can only have one online class, it was kind of panic, what what's going to happen. Um, once they understood and knew that it's okay, that as long as the university is mandating, um, that we are from distance learning that they can um, maintain that that record. As long as they do not withdraw from their classes, as long as they're actively engaging in their online coursework, they will remain um, in good standing immigration-wise for their F-1 or J-1 visa. Um, and then the next question was, okay, um, when things started to get kind of bad and, you know, um, our president started putting travel restrictions on certain countries and then continents and then... You know, now uh, the Department of State has basically issued a travel for um, advisory for the entire world. Um, How can I get home? I want to go home. When can I return? Um, What if I can't come back? You know, because one of the things, too, for us was up until two days ago, we weren't sure if summer was going to be online or if we were going to have classes. And so, you know, we were telling students they're free to travel home. But as soon as we transition back to face-to-face, you are expected to be back into your face-to-face classes. And if you can't come back for whatever reason, um, that could potentially put your your immigration status at risk. So um, it is wonderful now that we at least know from the Board of Governors that all summer will be online. So that's a relief for students. Um, but one of the other things that... Um, they that we don't know yet, uh, at least here in the United States, is there is this um, little regulation for international students that um, they cannot be outside the United States for more than five months on their active F1. Um, that, is, that is something that we don't have an answer to yet. So students that might have left for spring break back in the beginning of March now have decided to remain in their home countries Um, well, all throughout the summer. Well, our fall semester doesn't start until August 24th. That puts them outside that five-month window. And we still don't know... um, what will happen to those students, they can return, um, but they would have to go through basically the entire initial immigration process again, um, and be issued new documentation, which has a lot of different ramifications for employment, um, for graduations. Um, so a lot of organizations, um, NASPA in particular, um, has written to uh, the acting secretary, um, Secretary Wolf of the Department of Homeland Security basically asking for relief for some of these students and asking that um, these are unprecedented times, that there needs to be flexibility, there needs to be um, relief uh, for for students for certain fi- um, filing of employment applications, for return, for keeping their records open, because this is something that none of us have ever, have ever lived through, um, hopefully never have to live through again. You know, and this is something that none of us could have ever possibly prepared for, or have answers to.
0: Yeah, it it sounds in in ways very similar to what we're experiencing with a lot of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But what we have found is that, much like the United States, there has been flexibility. Um, and I will give kudos to our immigration mm-hmm. service for that because you know, it is unprecedented and it is the responsible thing to move online. We had to do it. And therefore, there was a a recognition that that was okay. And like you, I suppose there are students who have returned home who wonder what it means for them. And I suppose for us, it is as well in relation to Ireland has a post-study Work visa uh-huh. where students can stay back, and after graduating from undergrad they have get a one year stay back after graduating from postgrad they get a two year stay back and so the question now becomes, are they going to be able to move on to that because they 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 have to be on their student permission to be present in the country in order to uh-huh. move on to that stay back permission so I think that's the the level of uncertainty that, that we're seeing I think the getting the information to to students and being as transparent as possible. And sometimes putting your hands up and saying, we don't have all the answers right now. But explaining that to students has been, I think, very reassuring to them. I think they recognize that we're probably in an uncertain time and that, you know, we don't know when, when we will have all the answers. But it's honestly a stressful time for students. It's a stressful time for staff too. So I wonder how how are you, how are you coping? How are you dealing with the, the, the stress and the additional workload and and the worry that, that students have?
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely stressful on students and, and the same goes, you know, for, for our employment, Um, you know, Authorizations; they have to be physically present in the United States to file those applications for their for when they graduate. So those are other things that um, we've asked, uh, NASFA has asked for um, relief on to allowing students to uh, potentially apply for those um, benefits outside of the United States, potentially, um, or 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 giving the flexibility on certain things like that. But it's definitely stressful. And I, I do agree with you um, in terms of my philosophy with advising students has always been transparency. Um, sometimes we don't have the answers. And I think students, at least the students that I've, I've been reaching out to several students um, throughout the last week or two, because um, a lot of them are worried about some of these things, especially, especially graduating seniors, you know, um, this is affecting them you know, across the board that we're not doing commencement ceremonies. I mean, those have been canceled. Um, OPT, optional practical training. Um, that is that for, for, um, your Irish or your, your European listeners, that's essentially the stay back, the stay back, uh, employment for when they graduate, what's going to happen to them. Um, they're only allowed so much unemployment time when they're on that, um, that permission or that, uh, that work authorization. So, um, UCF has um, a massive hospitality program. Um, obviously we're here in Orlando, Florida, Disney, Universal. It's, you know, one of the tourist, um, capitals of the world. Um, and it's been, you know, the hospitality. Um, industry has been hit so hard here in the United States. Um, you know, a lot of m- my students that have already graduated that are on work authorization um, have now lost their jobs um, and they're worried about unemployment. Um, will this count towards our unemployment time? Um, what happens if I reach that threshold? Will I be out of status? Um, you know, so those are some of the things that we're not certain of. But what um, and those are the questions that have been asked of me. And what I always tell, what I've been telling students is, is that transparency is. is I don't have the answer yet. I understand what, um, what, that it's a stressful time. What you're going through, you know, it's it's hard on me. It's hard on you. But what I want you to know is that there are organizations, there, um, there are you know universities that have reached out to ask these questions and to ask for relief of, of the, um government. And I think when they hear that, okay, you know, you might not have the answer um, right now, but there are organizations, there are people that are asking those questions behind the scenes. Um, It makes them feel kind of better that, okay, there's someone that's that's advocating for me, that we haven't been forgotten. Um, because I think in a lot of this, um, this kind of pandemonium, um, you know, maybe it's just because I work in the field too, but internet, you know, it's affecting all of the universities across the country, but, and affecting students, but, you know, international students, it's affecting them so much, you know, so much. And I think they kind of have gotten forgotten and sometimes they always feel like, Oh, in times like this, they do get forgotten. So knowing that, you know, we're fighting for them, that we're trying to advocate for them. So that's kind of, I, I like, you know, that kind of approach. But for me, um, this is day three of working remote. Um, it's, it's been a challenge, um, to say the least. I'm, I'm not a fan of it personally. (laughs) I'm a very social person. Um, I like to have my, you know, I like my to be with my colleagues, I like to be on campus. I love the hustle and bustle of seeing my students and, you know, walking, you know, across campus. That's something that just always gives me such joy. but i think for me what i've been trying to do is um you know take a space where it's just for work because that, that can be a challenge right when you're working from home your home is also should also that be your is, sanctuary yeah. so having to have a, a a designated spot that's for work and then you know you're working there and then when work is done you leave it um you know and it's i feel like I, my brain's been on overdrive the last 2 weeks i um you know I, sometimes i just all i think about is coronavirus and what's happening and watching the news. And I think, um, you know, my husband has has told me that I need to turn the news off um, because it's been on like a constant news cycle for me because I want to see what the updates are. What's what is the president saying? What's, you know, because for me, that will better help me advise students and kind of, you know, but. It can be on the flip side, detrimental to your mental health, which I think is so important too in these types of times. So, going for trying to go for walks, um, you know, as best we can, while, but, while remaining six feet apart from somebody else, you know.
0: <laughs> but adhering what about you? to the, the social distancing <laughs> regulations, yes, yes. I think uh, it it's it's in many ways it's very similar. I think mm-hmm. this pandemic has impacted the globe. And so we're seeing a lot of similar challenges. I uh-huh. will give kudos to our Department of Social Protection because they have made emergency payments available to people who have lost jobs and international it, students are international eligible students. to apply for that. It does. I there, yeah. there are obviously some caveats and, and there are some conditions the students have to, to meet, but it, mm-hmm. it won't be their immigration permission that prevents them from applying. So it's open to everyone. It just depends, I suppose, how long they've been working and and whether they meet the, the threshold in terms of what they have paid into, um, I suppose, what we call PRSI, which is pay-related social insurance. So mm-hmm. if they meet the threshold, they will certainly be given the, the payment. And I think that eased, Stress and worry for a number of students because international students they're not made of money. No, I think that's a misconception, can, isn't it? It is absolute <laughs> misconception, and many of them do rely on part-time jobs to mm-hmm. because they've taken loans out, and so they're they're trying to to ensure that they have money to for day-to-day expenses. And so when everything shuts down because the hospitality industry, just like in Orlando in Dublin, it's huge, and so many mm-hmm. of them are. are employed in that area so when pubs and restaurants and hotels are shut like they are here those students are without a job so definitely the government making that available has been very reassuring but there will still be stress and anxiety for for students they're away from home they don't know mm-hmm. when they will get to to go home we have a large population of Indian students The India has closed its borders even to those who hold Indian passports for the moment kudos again to the Indian embassy in Dublin who have really worked hard to to help reassure those students and all of the educational institutions over here have been very good about trying to ensure that the students feel like campus is their home. Mm-hmm. So while campuses are a lot quieter than they traditionally would be, there still are students there, and the res life staff have been amazing in terms of reaching out to students and just helping them to
4: mm-hmm.
0: readjust to what is the new normal for the foreseeable future.
4: I know, and and so do you still have um, your international students on campus? Then correct, is that is that kind well, of yeah.
0: We do. We have a significant portion of them. I think that would be the case for most of the universities, certainly in Ireland. A a number of students went home, but for Mm -hmm. any number of reasons, some students didn't. And so they, they will remain. Some of them no longer have the option of returning until this is all over. So it's about you know we that everyone works together and i think you've seen a real community spirit in terms of individual institutions but also in ireland certainly on a national level of institutions working together sharing knowledge sharing best practice trying to make those students feel as comfortable as possible in these uncertain times
4: yeah yeah we um we've we've Ha, we've had all of our students um we've suggested that all of them remain off campus in their in their permanent residencies but we also understand that not everyone has that option. Um UCF is a really large um large university um and we have a very large campus but one of the things that I love so much about um my institution and, and is that for being such a big campus we have um, a very family feel. Um, we're very, it's a kind of like a, the UCF spirit. We call it the UCF family. Um, and so. And also, you know, 25% of just our overall enrollment are um, first generation college students um, and Pell Grant recipients. So we have some students that may not be able to go home, international students especially. um, So we are leaving our our dormitories open for students that absolutely, you know, of course, we're encouraging students to return to their homes if possible. um, But Mm -hmm. of course, international students would fall into that, um, that category of it might not be possible. So we're allowing those students to remain, to remain in their, in the dorms, which I think is, is great. And, and I love hearing that, um, you know, Ireland, um, is, is doing what they can to assist those international students with that, with that, uh, that money, because that's one thing that, you know, we have students that uh, work on campus, um, you know, that now that campus is closed, um, they don't have that luxury anymore or students that are having off campus internships that rely on that money um, for, you know, their livelihood. And um, as of right now, um, we haven't heard anything, um, in, in terms of what they, what could possibly happen, um, with them. But we have to just try to, you know, um, one of the things is just let them know that we're here, we're here for them. Um, and that we, we're all kind of going through this, going through this together. I think, um, you know, it's affecting everybody. It's, it's, it's crazy really. I, I, I say it feels like it's an alternate universe. I feel like it's a cosmic joke that we're all going to wake up one day, you know, wake up tomorrow and, the world'll just say, you know, just kidding. <laughs> but I'm I'm coming to the point where I don't think that's gonna happen anymore and we have to just write it out.
0: Well it I if if only if only that were the case, but mm-hmm. I think from what you're saying, I think in your bio you it mentioned advocacy and it sounds like advocacy is what you're engaging in for mm-hmm. these students. And I think students really appreciate that. When they know that somebody has their back, when they know that somebody is you know, trying to do the best possible by them. They truly, truly appreciate mm-hmm. that. And they they understand that, you know, it is uncertain. And so I want to thank you for taking the time to chat to me, to offer your expertise on America's immigration system for students and on the impact that COVID-19 is having on the international student population at your institution we may well who knows uh, wh- wh- when we will be be speaking again it, hopefully by the time we are and we'd love to have you back on when this is all over and we can yes. talk about the international student experience when uh, campuses aren't shut down but uh, <laughs> lauren thank you very much for chatting to thank me today i really appreciate thank it thank
4: you so much it was wonderful
1: So excellent interview there that you did with with Lauren and uh, kudos to her with everything that she has to to deal with and and you know because I work with a lot of domestic students so I don't I don't get to see or hear a lot about what a lot of international advisors have to work with and work through especially with a lot of these policies so it, it's glad to hear that there's flexibility with with a lot of these policies because of this. This unique, unprecedented situation.
0: Yeah, no, I think it'll it 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 will be again an, an evolving situation there, and clarity will probably come. Hopefully, I mean, certainly in in Ireland, um, I mentioned just before the the interview that we didn't have clarity, but we do now. And what our immigration service have done here is they've had to close the office, and so they they've kind of pressed the pause button for two months, and so they have given two months permission, additional permission to anyone whose immigration um permit, like was expiring. And I think that's been a huge relief uh to to people because there, there was a lot of worry and anxiety about about how they would attend their immigration appointments. So I think we're seeing flexibility across the board.
1: Yeah. And what's also flexible is with our podcast, as we're planning to have some upcoming episodes additionally that are dedicated to this ever evolving situation so we're working as hard as we can with our schedules and with others to make sure we get some more information out to you or some more interviews about this and so look forward to some of those coming up
0: just thanks to the people who appeared on today's show to Sherry and Elizabeth and to Lauren thanks for taking the time to chat but we we just thank thank you for listening and hopefully this has uh, been of some use to hear how others are being impacted and i guess for from all of us we just want to say stay safe and we'll talk to you soon